This is Konzenshu, the podcast, episode 307 for the week of August 13th, 2012. What's up, folks? Welcome to Kan Zen Ashu. The podcast. <laughs> Thank you. An extension of the all-encompassing Dragon Ball fan site. X. No. I had to add that in. Come on. We just had the discussion. Okay. Konzenshu. Thank you. You're going to confuse everyone. You're destroying my brand marketing strategies. I'm totally distracted by my phone right now. Put your phone down. Like a teenage girl texting away when you're supposed to be doing real work. Oh, my God. Mike, I'm going to text you right now. <laughs> I'm doing the podcast with you. Uh, we cover anything and everything Dragon Ball in hopes of enlightening and a little bit of entertaining. My name is Mike Vegito EX and joining me, I don't know what he's doing over there. Heath, Mr. Hujio, sir, I guess I can call you the co-owner, co-editor, all that stuff of Khan Zen Shu. Welcome, sir. That's true. I do edit pages, so. <laughs> I've determined that I am editor-in-chief. What uh, can we give you as a title? Am I like I think I'm manager of content relations or something. I, don't know. <laughs> I like that. And we have our senior Japanese correspondent, uh, Julian, and he's back in Japan right now. So we're giving I him know, the I'm week so off. I know, I'm so sad. I told him, hey, when you're flying over Nebraska, you should totally stop by. But he didn't really want to jump out of the airplane. That so. doesn't really work that way. Yeah. <laughs> it was great nice. having him last week, though. It was, uh, I always enjoy seeing Julian every three years or so i guess it is at this point just you wait he'll be back sooner than you know it i'm hoping so i'm hoping so so dude you and i it's been kind of a crazy week all around for everyone so we're gonna do one of those chill episodes where we talk about site content a little bit because we have some uh, additional updates that julian and i didn't want to talk about last week because you're really the figurehead behind it all and you've done a couple extra updates to it so i think we'll take some time to talk about the animation styles guide that you've been uh, doing on the site and uh, we're going to do tons of questions this week because we get a nice backlog from folks emailing in and tweeting in and all that good stuff. Facebooking us. Facebooking. And and, that's a thing, right? Facebook. Uh, and then there's like Pinterest now and all these other things that I guess and I then I did learn about. Like LinkedIn and I don't know. I don't think we use LinkedIn. What's happened to the internet since 1998? Remember LiveJournal? I, Live I, I no. do. Did you use LiveJournal? I never used it, but I know of it, oh, okay. and I know many, many people that have used it. Yeah, it I read things thing. on LiveJournal. Right. Yeah, anyway, so we do have uh, some good stuff. I have a couple stories that I actually want to uh, dig into a little bit. First one's not really important to anyone other than me, but uh, I actually started a new job this past week, so that's part of the craziness of not having a traditional topic ready for the show. But uh, you did hear last week I was in between laptops. I am on my new laptop right now, and Heath, I am talking to you from the magic of OS ten now. So our operating systems are battling each other they Is are what we're doing? And, and i gotta okay. say not only do i sound better but i think i'm a little more handsome now that i'm using this computer well let's not uh call the kettle black shall we <laughs> Uh, I have this gorgeous MacBook Pro that I got, so uh, that's what I'm recording on now. I'm uh, kind of excited. The previous Dell laptop I had at work, that thing was a pile of crap. You heard the random skips that would occasionally happen during the show on my audio, and the, the syncing would go out of whack.
back and it would take all this extra time to edit. So uh, I'm kind of looking forward to at least parading along with the Cult of Mac a little bit for this rock solid recording I got going on. See, it's only because you have Jeff on your end that's yes. like talking into your ear. Mike, you need a MacBook Pro. He was close to convincing me. I No, I had this Asus laptop all picked out. It was going to be like gaming ready and all that stuff. But uh, I got this one for work, so I'm I'm happy. Uh, see, I I have my Dell, the same one. I remember, yeah, I used to have that exact same one, and that was solid enough. But they gave me a new one. It was terrible. All right, so Dragon Ball specific, I have two things here. Heath, you will right. remember last time you and I talked together on the show, we did talk about the September issue of V Jump, which had a whole bunch of extra little fun things, and I was getting ready to order it, and I didn't want to pay the shipping and all that. Well, uh. Did I? Oh my god, you bought it. I'm, I'm dumb. I ended Why up am I not me. surprised? <laughs> I, I feel like I should be shocked in some form, but I know but you, you're not. And you just buy things. <laughs> so I did pick so it up. So is there a cool pullout poster right there in the is. front? There is. And so, I, well, it's not in the front. I can show you. It's like a little bit in the middle of the magazine here. Not, I mean, it's oh, an audio okay. podcast. Yep. So yeah, it pulls out from the middle. But um, it's one of these cases where, all right, I got the magazine. I don't like taking things out of my pristine magazines. So now I have this gorgeous the same thing. Dragon Ball GT slash Dragon Quest 10 poster in there. And I don't even want to take the Super Saiyan 3 Trunks card out of the little blue foldy thing. I felt like sacrilege when I was taking that uh, jump super uh, whatever the DVD that came with episode of Bar. Oh, I know, right? But you had to. Oh, my God. I'm ripping this out. Why am I doing this? Why didn't I order two? Yeah. I used to do that with the monthly jumps for Nekomajin. I would order two of those. See, it helps when um, inflation and the yen and the dollar were a little closer together. It was easier back then. uh, Yeah. It's not so easy to order two of everything, especially it's shipping. It's totally shipping it's crazy it's like four times the cost of the mag- the magazine is six dollars it's gonna cost me 15 20 to ship it uh, yeah. i don't know but i did that anyway i don't know how much there is to say about the. Ma- it's an issue of e-jump it's got the exact same things that we said it was going to have they're in there uh so in more interesting news i bought myself a second copy of legendary super warriors on game boy color why uh well i've been on this kind of rampage of looking for cheap Game Boy games on eBay that uh, I never actually owned myself, but I played a lot as a kid, such as Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Fall of the Foot Clan. You know, plenty of friends own that game. I never owned it myself, so I found a copy for 99 cents, and I've been buying, I bought that, I bought Legend of the River King, I bought, what else did I get recently? I bought all Final Fantasy Legend 1 through 3 and Final Fantasy Adventure, like all bunch of moderately okay to shitty Game Boy games. And then I said, huh, Legendary Super Warriors, which you could sort of say was the actual beginning of the renaissance for Dragon Ball because that game came out, I believe it was 2001. May have been... Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was the first one that came out right before Dragon Ball Z for the PS2. Right, let's fact check this. We can do this because we're on the internet and I can edit Legendary Super Warriors. Oh no, that was 2002. Was it 2002? Yeah, it was but 2002. But it was still before, wasn't it? It was, it was. Uh... So I am correct in my statement. Yes. Legendary Super Warriors was August 02, and then Dragon Ball Z. And remember, we got that first in the U.S., uh, and then it came out later. That's true. In Japan. That was November 
two, uh, December 2002 in North America. And then, oh my God, they didn't get it until almost... Oh no, there's a GameCube version that came out. I um, always forget there's a strange. GameCube version of Dragon I know, <laughs> of uh, that and the second one. And the first one was weird because then they did the... They added the Toriyama shading, the cell shading to that version of the game for the GameCube release and all that. But anyway, so I bought a second copy of Legendary Super Warriors. I got a complete inbox because I just had cartridge only prior to that. So now I do own complete inbox versions of the entire Game Boy, including the Game Boy, because I mean, most of them are Game Boy Advance games, at least of the North American releases. Of the Japanese releases, I only have, is it Goku Hishoden? I think that's the only one I have on Game Boy, but I do have that complete in box. So I need to get, I forget what the title of the second Game Boy game is, but I need that. And at some point I keep meaning to pick up Legacy of Goku 2 International as well. Just to round out the asinine Mike Dragon Ball video game collection. People should see your shelves. This is what happens when you leave me to my own devices. And then it's even worse when eBay is, you know, mobile on my phone. So now yeah. when I go to the bathroom, I order video games. Can I be honest with you? I, I, sure. I, shoot. I, I, shoot order, I order Legendary Super Warriors from the bathroom. Because it was buy it now. So I just did it. There you go. See? This is the sacrifice we have to make. We can't even go to the bathroom without... You know, doing these things. I shouldn't be allowed to have technology. This is the bullshit that goes down. So instead of me telling more bathroom stories that really only benefit me and no one else, uh, I actually have some no, video games. No, I think game. they benefit everyone. They do. They do. I have a, I actually have stuff for the video game guide that I plan to incorporate long before we started Consensu because I knew we would to put into that guide at some point that I've been working on for maybe a year or two prior to us having those solid conversations because I knew I should start it. And this might tie in, well, whatever. Heath, tell me about the animation styles guide on Consensu because this is stuff that people can look at right now and learn. And it's actually getting a shit ton of traffic. It is. I was... uh. I, I want to say surprise, but, you know, I love when people want to see what we work on. And I'm not know, surprised. I'm so happens. great. I make amazing <laughs> content. You never know, because some people like what they like. like. The Battle Power Guide, when we first premiered that on Constantine, uh -huh. like shot up to top of the charts of anything we had put out. We all hate that information. So... <laughs> It's kind of weird where it's working on information that we kind of don't want to provide, but we know is useful and beneficial to some people, and yet it's still popular. Well, but this is a good example where we like it and other people like it, too. Exactly. So uh, I've been working on this guide for, gosh, I want to say over a year, although I should preface that in the midst of working on this, I stopped for like six months just to design and do the backbone for Consensu. And yeah, yeah. So it got put on the back burner, but it's something we've been working on for a while. And I think I just showed it to you not too long ago, but. No, it was kind of, uh, I'm done. Here's the main page. Here's the Maya page. Yep. This look good. <laughs> uh, yeah. So right now uh, we have pages up for Minoru Maeda, Masaki Sato, who's kind of included with Minoru since he worked with him quite a lot. Uh, Tomakiche Takeuchi is up. And coming tomorrow, possibly today, whenever you're listening to this podcast or whenever it goes up, is Masahiro Shimanuki. So that's an interesting yeah. name, Shimanuki. Shimanuki. Huh. See, you don't have a Japanese name, so Mr. Labrie, you can <laughs> actually. We've we've determined that my last name is actually the word robbery, as in like highway robbery, Raburi. So I've uh, it's true taken my stage name as Mike Robbery. So, um, now that we're done with Mike, uh, 
the section is up. Uh, you know, if anybody has any critiques, I'm glad to hear them. I've heard from quite a few people. I've made some alterations here and there. You know, some things maybe I've forgotten because I'm only one person, and this is a very large section yeah, yeah. of the site. So, uh, but it has animation quality comparisons. It has some character design comparisons. I thought it was just a good place that we could put everything to really break down what happens. And it's, you know, I give a conclusion at the end of, well, here's why we have all of these issues, which is something we always talk on the podcast a lot of times, at least I do, because I, I approach things from a very more realistic standpoint. I think you get a lot of people, well, why did he do this in the story? Mm-hmm. And my answer is, well, because Toriyama wanted you know, he's lazy or he wanted to do this right. or that's too much work where I know someone's looking for a, well, why is it? Well, this is one thing you can totally approach from a realistic standpoint of they had budget restrictions. There were numerous animators, you mm-hmm. know, they had seniority that they had to deal with. They had different companies. They were subcontracting things out. A lot of things that even animation to this day, you still see these things. I know Naruto and even One Piece have really have back and forth days. The problem is it just seems so much more evident in earlier animation, such as in the 1970s, 80s, 90s, because it was all hand drawn. There Mm -hmm. were no computers. You know, you screw one frame up and everyone copies that one frame through the entire show. Right, right. Whereas nowadays with digital animation, you catch it, you change it, then it gets changed through the entire thing, and it's much easier. But you still do have bad animators. There's nothing you can do about that. Sure, sure. You know, just to take it over to what you're saying about uh, story-related, why did the character do this? What was their motivation? And why didn't they transform into this stage? A lot of those questions of, you know, why aren't there sparks in this scene when he's supposed to be Super Saiyan 2? Some of this stuff can answer those questions. And it's, like mm-hmm. you're saying, it, it might not be the answer you're looking for, but it might be better of an answer in that regard because then you can kind of just toss it to the side and say all right maybe this isn't the right scene to take into account to answer these kinds of questions based on who animated it what studio animated it so you can almost break down all of those questions in totally different ways you have to remember i mean they're all human too and a lot you know i want to say a lot but we know some of them they may not even be avid fans of the series. There are a lot of animators, they do it because that's their job, and yeah, they yeah. say, hey, Absolutely. now you're going to do this series. They're not Toriyama. They don't sit down and be like, oh my god, do I need sparks in this scene? Do, does his hair need to be really spiky right here because he's Super Saiyan 2? You know, they don't really know. They have to go off of whatever details they're getting from their animation supervisor or whatnot. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, you do kind of fall into some of those pit holes of people are saying well a friend told me that in Daisenshu 5 his hair was like this and it's well that's the original storyboard that everyone's supposed to be you know the the original character design that everyone's supposed to be basing it off of but but did they really cheap (laughs) budget days you know where Ebisawa maybe on his 12th hour of animating (laughs) yeah yeah, thrown out the window he's not gonna remember that he needs really spiky hair in this scene. He's just drawn hair because he needs to get this frame out the door so that the in-between animators can get going to town. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, so it's quite interesting to see some of these things. And I think I was more shocked than anything when I started crunching numbers because that's what I do. <laughs> yep, and yep. when you look at uh, Ebisawa and was it uh, uh, Uchiyama, each of them basically 
Every four to six episodes for the entire length of all three series is what they animated. Ugh, well, that Which explains so much. Insane. Yeah. So that's where you get those bad animation days. You, I mean, Word. I know I saw some instances where Ebi Sawa would animate an episode. Then someone, I'd say, more skilled comes in. And then Ebi Sawa does the very next episode after them. And so it's like they only had like a two week turnaround to animate another episode. You have a couple of great examples there where it's uh, the scene is repeated, whether it's in a preview or a recap and it goes into and it kind of retells the same scene, maybe from a different perspective, but sometimes exactly the same way. And one of our favorite examples has always been Trunk slices Frieza in half ends the episode. Next up, it was in Nebisawa mm-hmm. episode. The next episode. Uh, yes, that explains why it looks like garbage all of a sudden which carried over to kai when those episode splits weren't necessarily episode splits and not even necessarily eye catch splits where it was just second to second different animation studios working on that well and then i think i even pointed out because you have to remember we just we went through and did the three i would say superior animators of the three series And if you look at the trunks being sliced in half at the end of the episode, that scene is drawn by Nakatsuru. Yeah. You know, your man, the guy. My number one man, yep. And then you come in the very next episode right away, it's Ebisawa. And it, (laughs) I mean, it doesn't even compare. It's grotesque, that scene. So, dude, the animation styles guide, it's got a a great response right now, and it's going to continue to be updated for at least the foreseeable future with a lot more animators. Hopefully. That's the plan, anyway. Awesome, awesome. Um, any other? I mean, we're already talking about site content. Is there any other site stuff you kind of redid feature pages a little bit? Uh, I know the mm-hmm. my Dragon Box isn't perfect. Never actually had all of it. I think that was my fault that I never finished the page. Yeah, I, I ported said, the features and then I forgot to finish that page. Yeah, you had little text on the side that just said "insert video." <laughs> I was like, okay. Kinda so forget. I had to uh, track that all down from. Well, it was your site, so it's not like I had all the videos anyway. Well, you had them. They were online. Yeah, I I guess so. You didn't didn't have full access. So I got that (laughs) all up, and then I had to re-script a couple things just because, you know, each site was structured differently. Yeah, yeah. uh, I just updated the styles of all the pages. Right now I'm going through the reviews section, just kind of updating that a little. Nice, nice. I'm anal about those things, and I want all the pages to kind of have the exact same structure, same layout, you know, try no, not totally. to confuse everyone. But, but a lot of that was we wanted to get as much of the most important content done, and some of that was, well, it's still going to be a table, and it's still going to have inline CSS just yep. to get the page and done. <laughs> there's nothing wrong with that just to get the page up. So, so yeah, yeah. Changes now some we're of just kind of flushing some of that stuff out, and uh, it's good to see. Cool, cool. Uh, hopefully I can get back to I got to finish up uh, some more of the uh, music database. Uh, I got to send some stuff back over to Julian, finish up. Uh, I think the Dragon Ball Kai CDs page is next on my hit list. But having the CD sets done was uh, a great relief that Chosen Shoot That was me. a battle. Basically took me an entire day to do just. All right. So that's all site stuff. Uh, we get a bunch of news and we have tons of questions. So I say let's uh, jump into the rest of the show here. We might as well. 
First bit of news, not really interesting because there's not a whole lot Dragon Ball, but Namka Bandai quarter one, fiscal 2013. Uh, the net income this quarter was $10.225 billion, which is approximately $130 million. So that's really good. There's just not a whole lot of Dragon Ball going on right now. Uh, it did make the list. They usually list the top five or six best performing franchises of the quarter. Dragon Ball was not there for about, was it a year or two? At least a full year. Was, it wasn't there. At least there. a year and a half. I'm pretty sure. But uh, post Kai, it's been getting back up on the list. It did 1.8 billion yen this quarter, up just barely from 1.7 billion yen it did the same quarter last year. So this was quarter one fiscal 2013. That was quarter one fiscal 2012. They are projecting a drop, though. Last year was 11.8 billion for the full fiscal year. They're projecting this fiscal year down to 8.5. I think that's kind of expected. Last year was uh, an unexpected high. So I feel like this is a little more realistic. They're being a little more conservative about what they expect to happen coming off of last year's shocking. Wait, how did we make money? Yeah, how did we make money? At least on Dragon Ball. Uh, there were no Dragon Ball games this quarter. Dragon Ball Ultimate Blast, Ultimate Tenkaichi was last year, so nothing to say there. Uh, but there is general toys and hobby merchandise, which is the non-video game stuff. Uh, jumped up a little bit in net sales. They did 0.9, as in not quite 1 billion yen last year, last quarter. Uh, wait, no. Last year's quarter 1, 2012, uh, up to 1.0 billion yen this quarter. So they're jumping ever so slightly. They're forecasting 4 billion yen for the year, which is a drop from last year's 4.4 billion yen. But keep in mind, this is only the first quarter. Their projections do shift up and down throughout the entire course of the year. So that's that's it. It'll be interesting to see what's going to happen with this new movie. Yeah, and are we going to get new figure kind of stuffage, especially if there's new characters? That always helps. Will it tie Mm -hmm. into Dragon Ball Heroes in any way? Because that's doing kind of well for them. I guess we'll just have to wait and watch. Yep. Like I said, not very interesting, just a slow first quarter. I mean, there's a good quarter for them, for Namka Bandai, but Dragon Ball, not a whole lot going on. So, Heath, I guess take it over to Jump Superhero Special Collection DVD, A Numero Ados. A Numero Ados is out. Uh, It has the same tagline as Hot-Blooded Battle Heroes. It's a cheap line of semi-previewish DVDs. That feature the first episode of a, a couple series, most notably uh, Dragon Ball and Dragon Ball Z. Dragon Ball was on Volume 1, Dragon Ball Z will be on Volume 2. But we also found out that on July, let's see, yeah, this came out on July 20th, but we also found out that Volume 4, which is due out in October, will feature the first episode of Dragon Ball GT which ultimately will bring us to the conclusion of the Dragon Ball franchise as far as we know, because I doubt they will include Dragon Ball Kai since it's so recent, because it does appear that they are going back to more of their older peak generation anime series. So hopefully this will be it. I have no idea, but we'll find out. Uh, There was a preview trailer that they posted up that says there will be six volumes in total, uh, the official website right now says there will only be five volumes, so we'll kind of keep track of that. Maybe there'll be five, maybe there'll be six. Who knows? I guess uh, the most interesting thing here, just 
That's episode one of Dragon Ball and episode one of Dragon Ball Z. Great. But it does include some cool uh, character designy art that our buddy Tanuki did uh, go yes. through and post the entirety of. I'm actually not sure how I feel about him posting the entirety of all of these pictures up because it's so cheap and we're trying well, to move away from having such i i don't know it's it's a weird legally weird place but if for you us. question him he might kill you that's very so. true he uh does have many things that happen to fall off the back of trucks often so i'm not sure how much trust to place in him joe mike does not mean what he says when he says these i'm things. gonna walk past this stone you, statue but... of him one day and be like oh that's really weird that's a statue of him and uh i'm gonna hear this like <laughs> sound effect and i'm gonna turn around and he's gonna stab me pretty much but um no i guess the other thing of note that i didn't mention at the beginning there's the tagline sure. hot-blooded battle heroes uh yep. when i was reading through the official website it appears that all the other volumes have different taglines that goes along with each one it kind of depicting what series are going to be on that volume so they kind of stuck dragon ball and dragon ball z together under the same tagline but gt will be under a separate one, more of a adventure, if I remember correctly. So Gotcha. Yep. Well, that's but they're cheap. Thing. So uh, you can go click the links on the homepage, and you can go buy them and give us some monies. Be ever so appreciated, because uh, with the movie coming out, I have to imagine there'll be merchandise and an eventual Blu-ray release. We'd love to cover it for you. So uh, tying in with that, the movie new website has been updated the well i guess the new movie next year's upcoming new dragon ball z movie we don't even know what to call it yet because it's just it's like dragon ball z 2013 uh, movie. movie but yeah. i can't imagine that is what it's going to be titled now nah, it'll have some kind of title at some point uh anyway the website has been updated it includes an english version of the website, which itself includes an English translation of Mr. Akira Toriyama's comments regarding the movie, which, of course, you all read a month ago on Kanzenshu, translated from the original Japanese version. Uh, not much there in the English site. It's just kind of there. Yeah, and the English is awesome. Right, which is why you should read our translations of the Japanese rather than their translations into English because, I mean, Toriyama's comments are mostly okay, but the rest mm -hmm. of it, I don't it's know. It's the other part of the website that's a little sketchy. Not, not so great. Not so great. All right, so that's really the news. That's that's it, right? I think so, unless you have anything else. I have no late you will breaking grace us news. With. Nope, nothing. So None? let's cover all these questions people have. First question, yeah, rapid succession. this one up. <laughs> I know. I don't oh, we're know. doing rapid succession. Rapid succession. Oh, In response, oh, this is for I guess yeah, I should yeah, say. I need my Dragon from. Ball CDs. <laughs> Randy asks us via Twitter. In response to your music episode, I'd love to know more info on Nozawa songs like Piccolo Sandaisuke and Tenkaichi Gohan. I don't know what there is to say about them. Uh, they're awesome, and Drunk Gohan is awesome. Drunk Gohan is awesome. I don't know what else we could expect to learn about them, other than maybe some, like the director saying, hey, we want a song for it. Can you write something? And that's what was made. Yeah, that's the best I got. All right, Randy, we got I mean, nothing. Is he, is he looking for a little more insight, maybe from Julian? perhaps maybe maybe you can always go and read julian's fantastic translations of said songs over in the lyrics section of consensu which i'm sure randy has already done so we're not really giving him any extra information here so probably not we suck all right 
Heath, keep it going. All right. Weira from Twitter said, what do you guys think about the now defunct Beckett Dragon Ball Z collector magazines? This is weird because they came out at a point where I was already in high school. I mean, but when Dragon Ball Z came to North America, I was already in high school. So these magazines didn't hit me at the same point that other Beckett like baseball card magazines hit me when I was super young and collecting baseball cards and into those different kinds of fandoms. So when I picked up these magazines, I was already running my website and was aware of all the terrible information (laughs) inside of these magazines. So I saw them in a completely different light. And here's the weird thing. Well, first of all, two stories. One, I don't remember which magazine it was. I don't think it was Beckett. I think it was some other one. I actually did get a job offer to write in one of them when I was still in high school, but I didn't know what I was doing, so I, I never really pursued it. It's like, I, I'm just a dude. I, and you asked like an outrageous sum of money. I think I actually asked about money and then they never responded to me. I'm pretty sure that's how it like, went down. I think they just wanted $1, me to write free. Please, sir. So there was that. But uh, Greg Werner, who current fans will probably know is mostly contributing to One Piece fandom, but folks our age will remember from, uh, shit, what was the name? Was it the, the Ultimate, Ultimate DBZ Information? The information website. Website, thank you, uh, which later turned into the Grand Line, but obviously the old site is still there. Uh, Greg wrote for, I'm pretty sure it was Beckett, or was it one of the other ones as well? Do you remember? I think it was Beckett. I think it was Beckett. If I remember correctly. And Greg did stuff where basically he was translating from the Daisenshu. I know he did uh, one of the first translations of the timeline from, is it Daisenshu 7 that has the timeline? Yes. That sounds about right. So that was included in there. He actually did some of the timeline stuff from the Dragon Ball GT Perfect Files as well, which was published in the Beckett magazines. Uh, some of his early misinformation, mistranslations are in there as well. I mean, we we cut him a little bit of slack because, I mean, Greg's our age, so considering the amount of knowledge back then compared to now, you can see why. I'm kind of glad that I didn't write for the magazines back then too, because I would be looking back at my own articles with... a lowered head of shame going on can only imagine what you'd say so there's an interesting little factoid that greg used to do some articles for there but i think that kind of sums it up where it was i was already into the scene and i wasn't just i mean i was still a wide-eyed excited fan but i also had a filter of i own a website and i'm trying to provide information too not that I was seeing magazines as competitors because, I I mean, those things sold like hotcakes. They did amazing business back then. But I could already see some of the misinformation and there was kind of no style guides so people were spelling names and attacks and stuff in completely different ways. And a lot of it was stuff that hadn't even come out through the Funimation dub. So right, a lot of right. people were looking for stuff that was, you know, I want to know what's happening in Japan. Which I and think was great about it because we were at a point where the entire series was not readily available on nine season box sets. So if you wanted to learn more about it and there were still dial-up connections, picking up a magazine off the store shelf, not that bad of a thing to do. And it's a lot faster than the dial-up connections. Yeah, I know. By the time you got God, one picture, you could just buy the magazine. Do you have any memories of these magazines? I only ever bought one of them like i would peruse them when i would go to the store yeah yeah you know and just kind of flip through them i remember all of the artwork that was in them you know the fan art people would send stuff in and there'd be like a little comment of so-and-so is my favorite character so yeah yeah. i drew and you know those were always nice to see and you would always see fan art online too but it would take forever to load so it's a lot easier looking at a glossy magazine but i think the one that i actually bought was uh had 
Future Trunks on the front cover holding his sword. And that's all I even remember about it. I don't even know where it is. But that's the only one I ever bought. And that's my story. Did you, you know, a lot of the artwork on the front of the covers for the Beckett magazines, you could almost tell was never really a professional artist it was oh no they were awful they were so bad terrible cg things so the issue that uh i'm looking at right now i don't know what month it was i'd have to go back and look at it but it does have future trunks on the cover uh this month's hot links the black gohan great graphics gaming music and so much more followed by X, lots of music, commentary, clips, and news. So we did have a little feature. I do have a scan of this over on my personal blog. I'll, uh, if I can remember, I'll include it in the show notes for this episode. I mean, I saw the faults, but I also get a plug in a legitimate... Wikipedia, is this notable? Yes, notable. Printed in the pages of Beckett Dragon Ball Z Collector, Daizenshu EX, primary source, done and done. Notable. That's it. That's all, all right. I got. So, uh, so who do we have next? We have uh... <laughs> we have Gozar. Gozar asks us, "Do you think it was the best move to label the new movie as a Dragon Ball Z movie as opposed to Dragon Ball, like the Jump Super Animator special?" I know it's very minor, but I kind of liked how they were ditching the letter subtitles after Dragon Ball. Found it a good way to pay homage to the original manga. Well, here's the interesting thing: the prior specials, uh, at least the Jump Super Animator special, that was shueisha produced obviously toei did the animation for it but and yep. then there were things like the raging blast 2 special plan to eradicate the super signs that's a little weird because toei obviously produced the animation for that but namco bandai were the ones kind of having the it created yeah. for them so i could kind of see that being labeled either way but at least in terms well, of well and the you J-Sat think of special. the name of the game that goes along with yeah it. yeah it was dragon ball raging blast not dragon ball z raging blast but uh so w- do you think this was the right idea for this new movie to have z in the title i'm the thing is is i'm torn and my reasoning is the fact that dragon ball we know the z was only ever added because toriyama thought the series was going to end and they shortly. asked him to come up with something for the tv version yes so i I always liked that it was nice that they had started using Dragon Ball, but at the same point, I understand completely that it was just because Shueisha and Namco Bandai were involved, so they decided to go with Dragon Ball, Mm -hmm. which makes sense because they are only on the manga side of things. But at the same time, I completely understand why they went with Dragon Ball Z. They had just come off the debacle known as Dragon Ball Kai, and what else, Mm. you know, what better way to get back into it than going with Dragon Ball Z, a franchise that so many people are familiar with. I mean, you can tell people you're a fan of Dragon Ball, and some people will be like, oh, okay. And you say, I'm a fan of Dragon Ball Z. They're more likely to know what that is. Oh shit, son, DBZ. Yeah, that's interesting you mentioned Kai, because not having the Z there doesn't say anything. But I think having the Z there does say, this is not Kai specifically and as much as japan does love little goku they do love z as well more so probably as shown by the sales of everything so there's a reason when they released the dragon box and the signals and when they did the Mm. animaga and the movies as well z Z always came first i think it was the right idea 
But going back to what you're saying, where you're kind of torn on it, where it's uh, it, it's all just yeah. Dragon Ball. But but it's a marketing standpoint. I mean, that's what they're taking it, and, and that's smart. That's what we have to understand what they're doing, and it makes total sense. Do I love it? Eh, kinda, kinda not. So either way, I'm gonna buy it. So does it really matter? Yeah, I'm cool either way. It's a new movie for Dragon Ball, first real new feature length thing in 17 years. I'm good to go. Yeah. All right. I'm down. Keep us going. Okay, we have uh. No Chi Her? Is that right? I don't know. That's now the name. Now Chi Her? Now Chi Her? All right. Now Chi Her from Twitter, which could be a guy. I don't know. Is it just me, or did Dragon Ball have some of the most fan sites ever in the late 90s compared to any other anime series today? That's tough for me to answer because Dragon Ball has always been my first and foremost love, uh, other than that whole wife thing. But um, so it's a <laughs> good answer. It's tough because I like other series, but I don't actively seek out fan sites for Kenshin or for uh, what What else do I like? Well, I don't know, like Bebop is, and Trigun. Is, it is simple as we're kind of overlooking it a little. The fact that Dragon Ball, especially in the United States, completely coincided with the advent of broadband and dial-up, and everything was colliding all at once. The and web. Everyone wanted a website, and you had Angel Fire and Localhost, and you know all these sorts of things. And nowadays, everyone has a blog, and we have a wiki, and that you don't have traditional websites like we used to see in the '90s. They just mm-hmm. really don't exist anymore. Right. And maybe in a sense. That's kind of what you're seeing is, well, I don't really see fan sites the way, well, because where does everybody go? I'm going to go look up this on Wikipedia. Wikipedia. Yeah, yeah. They have an entire list of all the current episodes and manga chapters from Japan right now, although some have absolutely horrible translations, <laughs> but that's right, right. the point. But who knows, because I'm not into enough series to know if there are tons of websites, but I think you made a great point where Dragon Ball was closing in Japan and was becoming huge elsewhere in the world, North America specifically, at the exact point that the web was exploding in 1996 and onward. I mean, that's when I started getting my first internet-enabled computer, and I contributed to that explosion of Dragon Ball fan sites in the 90s. So just Dragon Ball's size as a franchise probably did mean that it likely had some of the most fan sites ever for that time period, just based on the point of technology, the point of the series, all that stuff together. And I, I guess we could preface since we were, you know, both around at that point in a sense that many, many websites, while they did exist, were all clones of one another so in a sense there were a Tenka lot they were exactly the same thing fusion the dragon balls yep daizen shui x's music guide wait i'm sorry what was that huh <clears throat> anyway so aaron asks us got any thoughts on funimation not announcing any dragon boxes at oticon this year not really um that's totally expected i didn't anticipate that they really would but you never know because they caught us off guard last time when they originally announced it but the problem is now they announced dragon box z everybody anticipates every single year <laughs> yeah. they're going to get some oh, sort of announcement new. but i mean we have heard that no they haven't completely shelved it they would love to do it they need to know is there enough interest you know is it going to be viable for them to do it financially 
all these sorts of things. And I think they're still kind of figuring out is the market too soft right now for them to do more Dragon Ball products. It, I think it's just going to take some time and who knows, maybe this whole movie thing, if they pick that up and they start, they could really move with some things. We may get some Blu-rays back. Who knows? I, I'm speculating at this point. I was going to say, coming off of the level Blu-ray set debacle, this was not the right year to announce any more Dragon Ball Z stuff. This was a no. good year to lay low on the Dragon Ball property. So I think they, they made the right choice. And they got a bunch of other stuff. So yeah, it was a good I year for One Piece. Yeah, I think they're sitting good with what they have right now. I don't think there's any reason that they need to rush into any more Dragon Boxes. I agree. So I mean, we want them. We do want them. I think maybe you can speculate a little with me on this, but if sure. they were to announce any other Dragon Boxes at this point, yeah. I think it would be the movies one before they did anything else. I agree, because it's a lower cost of entry for everyone. There's fewer of them to worry about. There's only, is it 17 total? Mm -hmm. 13, 3, 1, yeah. Assuming they're not including the Trunk Special, Bardock Right, right, Trunks and Bardock. So you've only got the 17 things to worry about. They could break that up into two sets or three smaller sets, and that could still go on store shelves and just put them out three or four months a pop, go over the span of a year. That could work out well. But they've got versions of the shows on store shelves still right now i believe the green bricks were 2009 maybe into 2010 for gt that's recent enough and the blue bricks for dragon ball are recent enough leave the show alone for a little bit more than anything i'm still kind of shocked that we don't see the jump super animator special or at the very least their own release of plan to eradicate the super signs they've expressed interest they've had hints that were posted and then deleted after they were posted so i don't know what's yeah. up with that we know people always ask us and people always ask funimation why don't they do it what's wrong with them don't they of course they want to release these things. They are probably chomping at the bit to release these things. But who knows how many other companies are involved. Is it a legal and licensing disaster? We have no idea. It's probably more difficult than just saying, hey, can we license the Dragon Boxes? Good, good to go. All right, let me sign. We're done. Yeah, I mean, at this point, we know they want to. And I think they will. The, the question is when. And nobody knows except, well, Funimation probably doesn't even know. They might not when. even know. Yeah, it's true. They they could be talking every month. Like, how's, how's that offer going? Have they accepted it? Did the person who works with the person who reports to the person who sees this person for sake only every other Saturday at 3 p.m., did they approve anything yet? I, I don't know. All right, we'll talk to you next month. Well, they'll keep going as long as they keep getting free sake. Yeah, so. <laughs> exactly. All right. Uh, all right. Keep us going here. We, we have got more questions. Alex from Twitter wants to know, could Nappa have beaten Goku if Goku did not know Kaioken? All right. So I think this is a simple answer. Let's ignore. Break this down. Let's ignore battle powers. I don't want to get into numbers specifically. Oh, I didn't even think of doing. Numbers. Okay. But even. Not taking those into consideration, I think it's pretty clear that Goku is established as being far more powerful than Nappa and being able to take Nappa. The point of the Kaioken yeah. there was, shit, he's too far away. He's about to get Gohan and Kudadin. I need to get there two seconds ago. How do I accomplish this? So that's why he used Kaioken there. See, now you're using my own logic against me. <laughs> do you have any of the That's bosses? exactly what I was that thinking. It? I mean... Yeah, you see him through that whole episode or two episodes. He's clearly just 
toying with Nappa. In fact, Vegeta even notes, oh my god, he's just messing with him. The only reason he even has to use it is just to save his friends. Hold on there. I think he could have easily won without There are a couple quotes, because there's this, a lot of people bring this up, there's Nappa's durability, where he seems to be able to take attacks and take these long, drawn-out fights and not be as worn down. I mean, look at the size of the dude. He can obviously take a punch. And Goku is commenting, and that's where Kaioken comes in, just his speed on some of those attacks not as fast as Goku, but even that mouth blast and Goku having the fire of the Kamehameha there. He had, yeah, it was like a split true. second reaction there. He had to take, even though you see Nappa charging up. So I don't know what was going on there. But so I think there are a couple things that Nappa has to his advantage, but Goku was still able to think about and strategize around those i think if it came down to it he would have just taken out nappa and been done with it and moved on to vegeta which is what he did yeah agreed i mean well except that vegeta takes out nappa but well fair enough well nappa was out of commission goku's done killing people at this point even on into the frieza arc with ginyu stuff i don't want to kill you why don't you just leave and then we can all have a good time all right so moving on to brandon and i must say uh this i think goes out as one of my favorite emails that we've ever gotten only because of one phrase that he included so it's pretty awesome but i also kind of feel creepy reading it i know i know so let me read brandon's email hi i am a 12 year old boy who has been enlightened by your podcast i listen to you every week and i've gone back and listened to past episodes yeah i'm 12 and i can type and this is mike inserting commentary here yes this email is actually written entirely properly as opposed to just about every other email and tweet that we have pasted into the outline here where i've either corrected them or just didn't bother to correct them and i hear heath stutter in his head as he self-corrects it as he's reading it i i do that every once in a while when i read these i have to insert words to make it make sense right brandon continues anyway my question is quote how did akira toriyama and aichi Oda, get together for the cross epoch and quote please answer my question and keep up the good work uh heath this collaboration crossover was done it was like the christmas issue oh shit what year was this do you remember 2000 i want to say five or six is that right yeah it was christmas 2006 boom yes it was in weekly jump that week what uh, what was this special it was did one piece have anything like anniversary that year in 2006 was that something special no not really i don't think so no it was just kind of here we go here's a crossover special Ta-da! yeah well we do know from past interviews that uh oda is a huge dragon ball fanboy specifically of toriyama and He's always wanted to meet him, always wanted to do something with him. And I think Toriyama's even said, oh, yeah, I'm a big fan of this Oda person. Who's Oda? I don't know. I like him. <laughs> my kids read that stuff. They don't read my work, but they read One Piece. Yeah. So we know that they were fans of each other. They know who each other were. Shueisha is, you know, right there in Their the middle. Their bosses. Saying, yes. Hey, look at this guy. You know this guy? Let's make something go on here. Let's make money. I mean, I alone it. bought... I think four issues of it. So I'm not shocked. <laughs> no, I, I gave away a bunch on the show and on the website at that point. So did you like, did you mint wrap all of them and they're like nailed to the wall and just, uh, I think I do have one still in this wrap. See, I got to go back and check. That's what I would do. They're on the other side of the wall in the dungeon here in the basement. I'll have to go dig it out. What? Don't laugh at me. I have a dungeon. I keep stuff and occasionally Jeff. I'm not, I've seen this said dungeon 
So Jeff's in there with the old monitors. I don't let them out often. Uh, but I would say that's my answer. I don't think there was anything particularly no, no. special going on that year. I think it was just, uh, hey, you guys want to do something? And, oh, look, it's Christmas. <laughs> yeah, that's about it. And we can insert lots of food into this story. Yeah, it was just a special fun little thing. It was the right time, it seemed. There hadn't been a whole lot of new Dragon Ball stuff, but Dragon Ball was still kind of in that peak period. I think, was it 2007 that was the height of merchandise sales for Dragon Ball since its Mm -hmm. revival? So, Dragon Ball was still in that oh man, we all still love Dragon Ball. Woohoo! Oh, One Piece is fucking huge. Let's do a crossover and make a ton of money. So, that's what they did. I, I mean, we'd have to go back and see what the sales of that issue of Weekly Jump were, but Pretty sure it was pretty good. Yeah, I would not be shocked if they set, you know, at least some sort of record at that point. Yeah. Whenever Toriyama does something in Jump, those sell out like hot. Yeah, it, it gets super attention from every website ever. So that's what happens. And there's a reason they asked Toriyama to do all these things, but he tends to, <laughs> I think, right. turn some of them down and finally will be like, okay, well, I have this one thing I was doing. Yeah, right. I mean, you who knows how many crossovers and other little one-shots he's been offered since the close of Dragon Ball that he's turned down. He's like, I don't want to work anymore. I don't have to work anymore. Leave me the hell alone. Well, the only thing he's really been involved in, like, really hardcore seems to be Dragon Quest. And even then, I, it's Nagatsuru who's doing all the key artwork it, on stuff. Exactly. He's just every once in a while like, yeah, I'll throw you a poster. Here, you want this one? Right. And he'll do a cover or something, and that's about it. Look at me. I drew a slime again. How many years have I been drawing slimes? I'm so rich. I love how the slime is on everything. Yep. Like everything. Yep. Dragon Quest X just came out in Japan, what, a week or so ago? So Dragon Quest is going to be huge again. Oh, and they've they've had parties and there have been banners on huge skyscrapers all throughout tokyo and i've seen all sorts of stuff it's just crazy everybody loves them some dragon quest in japan you're interested in dragon quest stuff i don't usually do this but i will plug uh eight four play the eight four uh translation localization studio over in japan some prior ziff davis one up folks that uh are over there they had an entire hour in the last episode of the show dedicated to dragon quest 10 the first week of the game and impressions and all that stuff it's weird because it's dragon quest but it's an mmo but it's not really an mmo it's more of like dragon quest just you're playing it online and it's kind of like this mashup of dragon quest 8 and dragon quest 9 put online so if you're interested in that because i'm not entirely sure if we will get this game in north america i'm kind of concerned we're not gonna get it go check that out give it a listen so yeah thanks brandon all right now we have a uh, Letha lethal razzy seven i'm gonna say lethal raise seven lethal raise seven from our contact form which anybody can fill out asked us there are a lot of different types of dragon ball z cards could you help by telling me all of the ones like collectible games info and other i'm trying to collect them all so could you give me the brands you know about this is tough because we got some crap over in the u.s like the anime Mayhem cards and oh my god oh let me dig oh i think it's here in my desk downstairs Oh, can I find it? Oh, there's shit flying everywhere. Look at it go. Uh, oh, I, I think I have my old high school. I'm going to knock my microphone all over the place. I'm sorry. So, Heath, this is my notebook from high school. Holy crap. Where I collected. Is that like, so that's circa 1988. Oh, shit. Look what's in here. I got Shenlong Times in here. <laughs> what? 
I've got Shenlong times. Don't tell me you took those to school. Six and four in here. Do we need those? Do we have them? I have one through seven. Oh, well, fuck you. All right, so... I, I mean, you can keep them, because we might need them. Oh, I have duplicates my of four. cards are not in this notebook. Oh, I'm going to have to find where they are. I thought they were in here, too, but I had those uh, North American cards. I think Tanuki put up a whole bunch of scans of them. It's like, in the dark or in the light, who will prevail? I, I can't remember. Yeah, you know, a lot of them have quotes on them. Some of them are reflective. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I remember I getting some of those... Of those. At uh, checking out of Toys R Us uh, on the way out, you put in the quarter, you get like a couple of those cards. I got some Sailor Moon cards there as well. So those are old North American cards, but you're probably talking about Japanese stuff here. There's the Cardass series, which has evolved over time. Some of them are games. Some of them are collectible. And now that's all tied in with Dragon Ball Heroes, where it's part of a video game. Well, I so I don't even know how you break it down. Like on Yahoo Japan, you can go on and buy entire book sets of all the original, like from 1992 to 1995 run of Cardass cards. But, you know, they're a little steep, but you can get them. They're still out there. And then, yeah, you started around the, what, 2002, 2003 years where a lot of the arcade games started coming back for Cardass. And then they started rolling them around into different gaming systems and and then it starts to get really confusing because you have mo not just card-ass cards, but you have, say, Dragon Ball Heroes and all these different ones. And then you have promotional cards from all of the different magazines and who knows what. And Burger King did some, and then it's McDonald's, crazy. I know, in Japan has done a bunch. Mm -hmm. They have figures and cards. I actually just pulled up a story from December 16th, 2008, celebrating the 20th anniversary of the card-ass line. They re-released... Uh, at least this one here, the Complete Box Volume 1 Premium Set, which was going to oh, contain yeah. four new cards that actually came out December 26th of 2008 for uh, well over 100 bucks. It was 10,500 yen at that point. And that was just box one. I think there were two boxes that they did for the yes. CBZ re-release yep. there. So that's really, really big. And there's so many other cards as well, but Cardass is kind of the main line but even then like you were just saying you can't even really break that down into a single description no because by the time that they had hit you know the early 2000 the early aughts of <laughs> there you the go. century that uh it just kind of broke off into so many different arcade games and there's so many different titles that I, it's almost impossible to keep track of all of them. I don't even know if they do. You can go to a lot <laughs> of the websites for for these arcade games, and they will list like all of their cards. Mm. So I guess we yeah. could also mention that two of these supplemental Daisenshu, which we always just call uh, 8 and 9, they covered the Cardass series, at least up until that point. So there's two entire supplemental guidebooks dedicated to just the cards. Uh, those were released as soft covers, so they were cheaper to find. I actually found those two books in... First? What? What do you mean first? Did you find those before you found some of the others? Oh, no, no. The first one I got was Daisenshu okay. 6 at Otakon 1999. That was... I was on Cloud 9 at that point. But I found Daisenshu 8 and 9. I was with Mary, so I knew Mary at that point. But that was only like 2000 onward. But I guess we went to New York. I don't know why or with who, but I found him. I don't think it was Kinokuniya. It was, uh, was it Sasuke Books used to have a store in New York? I don't think they do anymore. Not entirely sure. But I just found them on the shelf, new, eight and nine. I was so excited. And I only paid cover price for them. So that was way better than getting Daisenshu wow. 7 for, well, I think I only got that one for like 10 bucks. But most people buy it for about 50.
So, all right, I'm done being a jackass here. Uh, oh, there are so many fun Daisenshu stories. Da- Daisenshu stories are so good, but... But I guess we can say the uh, Daisenshu, what we'll call 8-9, the supplemental issues that they released, uh, they just tell you how to play the game, and then they literally have scans of every single card broken down by the different releases that they had, you know... Oh, here's our reflective card release for 1993, and they list all 50 cards, and that's about it. It's a book of cards. So they're nothing very exciting. There's nothing to translate except for how to play the game. (laughs) There you go. All right, here's an easy one, or maybe not an easy one. Dr. Goins wants to know, hey, have a question. Yes, you do. When are you going to put up the character page? Do we even know, Heath, what the character page is going to be? We have no idea what it's going to be. We know it's going to be something. Is that going to be tied in the name puns in that guy? Maybe? Yes. I think that's the plan. It's one of those things that we want Jake and Julian to get together. <laughs> right. And, and do. cash it out. Right. So we'll just have to lock them into my dungeon here and maybe in a couple of years. I think it's it's going to be a combination of, I don't know, maybe people remember what Constantai had of, we had very brief sort of, we're uh-huh. going to list the main points. But you know who Goku is. I don't think you need us to give you a 15-page write-out of Goku's entire life. Right, right. So we gave you three sentences, and hopefully you can figure out the rest. Goku is Uh, a boy. He likes food. He dies a couple times. Yeah, just a couple. And so I think it's going to be that mixed in with the pun guide, maybe mixed in with... Here's a link to their Daisenshu 7 entry here. You know, it'll be kind of a big sort of group effort i think and it's something that we just haven't gotten to yet pencil partner says hey i mean hi consensu i am an avid fan of you site and listen to your podcasts anytime i have a chance i just have one question i was hoping you could answer on your next podcast you said a couple podcasts back that funimation's rights to dragon ball z end in 2015 does this mean that when that time comes, they will discontinue the orange slash blue bricks? Thanks, and keep up the amazing site. Also, Mary, thanks for keeping up Temple of the Trunks website, even if you don't update anymore. It's really epic, and I found the fanfic Dragon Ball Super Z from it. From now on, I will always like the pairing of Mirai Trunks and Mirai 18. Will they discontinue stuff? Yeah, well, if they do not renew the license, which they've continued to do since they first licensed it in 1994, and Toei seems pretty happy with them so far, but if they did no longer have the license to Dragon Ball, yes, they would have to discontinue production on those things because they would no longer have the rights to produce said things. It's like what happens when companies lose the rights to other series, or even Funimation chooses to no longer renew their license on stuff, like Kodocha, Kodomo no Omocha. Once they didn't renew that license, they can't keep producing those things. They can keep selling what they've already made and sell it out to stores, but that's it. Once it's sold, it's sold. I don't think that's going to be the case with Dragon Ball. Would you really think that they just give away their bread and butter that's basically built their entire company i don't it's not gonna happen happen. no so uh, i don't think it's anything to worry about but that would be the case were that the case but that will not be the case but thanks for saying we have an amazing site two thumbs up for that yeah always appreciate that so heath getting back to battle power questions uh zakachoff not entirely sure i was curious about something 
Have there been any posts on power levels from episode of Bardock? I'm curious to know his power after the near-death power-up he receives from surviving Frieza's supernova, I guess it is. As it stands, his last known power level is around 10,000, so Super Saiyan 1 would put him at 500,000, still weaker than Frieza's first form. If seen people say that Bardock's near-death power-up puts him at 15,000 in his base form, which means 750,000 in Super Saiyan 1. I am, however, doubtful of this estimation as Goku, who was 180,000 before the Ginyu fight, managed to receive a near-death power-up straight to 300,000. Would you care to elaborate or confirm these claims? I guess the easiest thing we can say is that uh, the only kind of extra information about any characters in episode of Bardock was that one page before the first chapter and really the focus of the page was saying here's chilled he was designed by Toriyama ain't that cool kids that's it yeah that's it there's nothing I mean if you want to count random numbers from Dragon Ball Heroes because we could do that but I don't even know what I don't even are. know what's in there yeah. <laughs> and since right. when is is that really a supernova is that what that's named is that a made up attack name it might be a video game name for the attack I'm not okay, entirely I, sure I have no idea uh, th but, that Frieza um, used I just assumed it was a giant death ball I don't know that's what I thought in fact I'm pretty sure that's what it's called even in the Daisenshu but well, whatever. Uh, I think I have no idea. There may be a larger, like, ultimate move called Supernova in the video games. I can't remember. Or maybe that was cool as technique. I'm not sure. But yeah, they've really shied away from assigning numbers to these things over the years. They sort of yeah. did in the Dragon Ball Z, the Budokai games on PS2. And that's well, thrown people into a hissy fit with some of those numbers. But they just don't care anymore because it, it doesn't affect the story they want to tell, which is this 20 minute quasi sequel story that's just going to tie into a marketing blitz. Well, I'm just going to say that I'm, I'm assume Zach Zakadoff is a guy, so he, in his own paragraph here, kind of uh -huh. makes the point that I think we're talking about, the fact that they have steered clear of these power level numbers, because in itself, we can see, well, Goku was here when they said, you know, he fought the Ginyu Tokusentai, and, but uh, Bardock is apparently this, and yeah, the numbers don't match. It kind of conflicts with storytelling opportunities. Yeah. So they said, oh, crap, why are we doing this? And they got rid of them because, again, they do not go well with stories when you have to think of logical things and matching numbers to illogical things. Yeah, if you have that to match sense. the numbers, you can't tell the stories you want to tell to sell the things you want to sell. So they are businesses. So in that respect, they're going to ignore those numbers and just tell the story they want to tell. And my favorite part, I think, I don't know, maybe this is so subtle, nobody really picks up on it, but the fact that there are no scouters. And yeah, even in the uh, 2008 right. uh, JSAT special, the one scouter that shows up gets broken when Goku <laughs> powers up. Yeah, so, yeah. I mean, there are no ways to even tell power levels at this point. Yeah. And of course, we did have some of those extra numbers that Toriyama threw into the mix with the super exciting guides. But even then, it's you can either do the math or you cannot do the math. And when the math doesn't match up, I feel like people kind of get upset that the authors and the rights holders aren't taking mm -hmm. it as seriously as they are. And maybe that's a valid response. But again, I kind of have to answer that with, well, you can either get episode of Bardock or you can get nothing. I would rather have it, even if I didn't love it and wasn't the greatest thing ever, than have to have a special that relied on a logical progression of numbers. Where would you go with that? Bardock would just get trampled and it wouldn't 
Uh, maybe that would have been a better special well, instead of walking off heroically into the limelight. I can just throw out maybe from a storytelling standpoint that, well, Chilled is not going to be as powerful as Frieza because sure. we went into the past. And at that point, his race had not evolved certain molecules to reach that certain power level. So Bardock being at this base could easily defeat him. I mean, I'm pulling this out of my ass, but I well, think it would all work that's as fine. a that's what, storytelling point. That's what we're all doing with Dragon Ball. I forget who Thank wrote you. it, but on the forum recently, someone said, oh, maybe Chilled was that first mutation in that family. He is the first one to have that type of power, and it just expands yeah. over the years. So who knows what he's at. Bliska 20? I don't know what the name here was. I love what information you stated on the Super Saiyan forums. However, you forgot about Gohan Mystic form during the Boo Saga his third stage given to him by the Elder Kai. I would like to know your feedback on that form and why you think in the GT series Gohan was not able to achieve it anymore. The problem with this question is, I'm glad you like what we said. I don't know where it is you're talking about where we said what it is that we said. Is it in the old transformation guide on Daisenshu EX? I'm not entirely sure because you sent this to the contact form of Kansenshu, so probably not. Was it on a prior podcast episode? You didn't say if this was for the podcast, but I wanted to read it on the podcast. Or is it in a section somewhere on the site? And did we say that, or is that just a translation of information somewhere? So I guess the real question if there's a question here, Heath, would you consider, and this is always just a fan name for the term. Thank you. The mystic power, really just the power of Gohan, ultimate Gohan, the strongest warrior, the uh, older, the 15 generation ago Kaioshin that pulls out of Gohan, this dormant extra power here. Is this a form of super Saiyan? What do you think? No, I don't think it is. I, I agree. think it was just his power was expanded upon. And as stated before, I mean, Goku's even said the worst energy loss that they have is when they have to transform. Mm. And if you can get the same power without transforming, I think that's essentially what happened, which is kind of what we get with the full power Super Saiyan. I was going to say, we went through that whole thing during the Cell Arc, where we want to make our Super Saiyan form our natural form. We need to sleep in this form to make it feel as normal and to bring out as much raw power without having to worry about being transformed or falling out of the transformation. So I think that's an extension of that where it's here is all and we got Gohan doing this what like three times over the course of the series I brought out all your power you don't need to do anything else have a nice day well I think I hate to go back to this but the only point that the forms really brought into flourishing I I don't know the only time that the form is really ever needed is when they are fighting boo yeah and at that point, there is no such thing as GT. Toriyama doesn't care mm -hmm. about GT at this point. Mm -hmm. It's just a story point that he needs to use in order for someone to hold off Boo until Goku can get there. And a lot of it is, hey, strongest warrior Gohan, mystic Gohan, whatever you want to call him, that is his plot point that he's going to use to prolong that fight. Now, as far as GT is concerned, essentially we see a lot of things just get thrown out the window and that just happens to be one of them. It just is. It's kind of I mean, GT you can't answer the question with because you described it perfectly. It, it doesn't apply to the point when it's being introduced. It's just a, another thing in the series where we come to it so many years later and we know too much about where the story goes that we try to apply retroactively these decisions to apply 
point where Toriyama probably knew at this point he wanted to end the series as soon as he could, and he still had yeah. to crank it well, out then, week after week. You know, there's also massive speculation of, well, did he lose it since yeah, apparently yeah, we yeah. had this seven years and then, well, or what, 10 years, and who knows? I mean, we never really see him use it again even at the end of the manga. But he doesn't really do any fighting. He's just a scholar at that point. He's married. Hey, I have a kid. She's going to do my fighting for me. Yeah. And I mean, that's about it. We have a ton more questions. Some of them are really good. I think we'll hold on to them for future episodes. But I do have two last ones that I want to read here on the show. Uh, this next one here is from DB Sinus, I think it is. Sinus? Maybe. Maybe he's got Dragon know. Balls for sinuses. That would... Maybe that would explain the headaches. Hello, I noticed that Konzenshu was the combination of Konzentai and Daizenshu EX. Where are the pictures? On my cell phone. You got some nudes? We got really drunk one night and... <laughs> ASL send nudes. Yeah. Um, um, what are you talking about? We did have like some pictures? images on Daizenshu EX, but a lot of this stuff is going to be incorporated into more appropriate sections. Like we had galleries from the video game openings. Those are going to be moved into the video game guide when we port that over. It'll be a combination of Constantine and Daizenshu EX material. But other images, I mean, everything's going where it belongs, I guess. I think I know there's a lot of things that we've had in the past in those sections, but like you said, they're being moved into, you know, as part of a certain section. So they're now there where they should be. Um, I guess we could do a fusion dance photo. Um, we could. I, I, I don't know what else he might be talking about. I don't know. Because we have lots of photos. We need the images, more images, more pictures. Okay. All right. He, we we got to wrap this up. Why don't you read our last question here? I, maybe All it's a right. Question? SS Mamp Crackers 25, who has the best name ever, wants to tell us, nice to meet you guys. Nice to meet you too, sir. SS I have no idea where we've met. Map, Smamp Cracker 25? Super Cyan Mamp Crackers 25. It is nice to meet you as well. I appreciate that. And if I ever meet you in real life, I am totally using that name. What? You can't even read it. S Smamp Cracker. Super Cyan Mamp Crackers. Oh, all right. You've defined it. Heath, that's going to wrap us up. We've had a full episode. We've had a crash in the middle of the episode. I'm going to recover this and uh, stuff. So why don't you tell the cool kids where they can find Consensu? You can find us at the URL of www.fullstop.com. Man. You got that nailed down. That's a website. You can find the Animation Ooh. Styles Guide. You can find this podcast that you're listening to right now. You can find all the other, the news that we have week in, week out, all the good stuff, konzenshu.com. So that's going to wrap us up. Hopefully we get back on to a regular schedule. I mean, we're on a regular schedule, but I want to get back to topics again. We need to pull Jeff in. He's out this weekend, but I didn't read a certain non-question from a certain moderator on our forum on Twitter, kind of poking fun at a section, a top podcast, Todd past pocket that we haven't done in about half a year at this point, but it is coming soon. Suck it. It's coming. I'm in that kind of mood tonight. So yeah, massively delayed. So yeah, uh, suck on that. OS X, you crasher windows seven over here. 
representing, no crashing. I do have boot camp. I could go into Windows 7 if I wanted to. I'll probably install Ubuntu on it as well, so I can really see what the problem is, if it's hardware-related or not. All right, Heath, thank you, dude. So for you over there, I appreciate it. My name is Mike Vegito EX. This was episode 307 of our podcast. We will check it back next week for episode 308. Heath, final closing comments. They are... Uh, have fun, everybody be safe, and uh, we'll hope to see everybody with all of our fingers next week. Trick or treat. Have a great Christmas. You keep,